Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope everyone is doing well. I just want to take this moment to say a big thank you to Max Moskowitz for letting me jump on his channel for the last hour. That was great. Um, always love speaking to Max. And then I want to just shout out the moderators, Max, who's in here, Dan, the Zignal, my brother, and Josh, UAP UK. Thank you for um, for the work and you know making sure the chat stay mature and classy. So I'm sure there'll be no problems. So yeah, um, let, let's get into it. Without further ado, guys, this is why we're here. I'd like to introduce Mr. Elizondo. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Hey, Lou. Thank you so much for joining me again. It is always an honor and a pleasure. So how are you doing today? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, you know, I, I know I say this, it's probably a cliche at this point, but every day above ground is a good day. So um, I'm I'm not complaining. Um, you know, everything is uh, is is pretty good. Good, and you've um, adjusted back to being at home after your your trip at the last weekend. I mean, honestly, I, I've I've traveled so much in my career, uh, even before I ever did this. Um, I, I adjust to time zones pretty pretty quick. Um, so for me, it's uh, I don't really know where I am at any particular day until <laughs> I look around and I realize what time zone I'm in. But yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm quite quite well. Thanks. No, good. Glad to hear it. Now, we, let's just bring up San Marino. I know it's pretty much been spoken about quite a few times this week. Max did an excellent job. Well, you and Max did an excellent job with the videos that, that you did live from San Marino. Um, but let's just touch upon where we're at, if that's OK. Am I right in saying that it's now in the hands of the, the representatives within the government of San Marino as to when and if they take this to the United Nations? Yeah. Um, you know, of course, they want to make sure what they do, they don't do it in a vacuum. Um, you know, what they're trying to do right now is make sure that other countries um, support this. And that, that makes political sense. You know, you don't want to you don't want to do something um, prematurely and it winds up, you know, creating some sort of discord uh, politically with other other countries and allies and friends. Um, San Marino is a very small country, uh, but it's also one of the world's oldest republics. Um, it's really interesting politically. They have two presidents and those presidents are only in power for six months at a time. Wow. Um, it's really the ultimate of sharing power, right? So here in, in our country, we have one president and a Congress and whatnot. There they have two. Uh, and they're only there for, for again, six months, just long enough to, to not cause any harm, right? So, um, you know, there's, it's, uh, in a way, it's an advantage, um, but also in a way, it's a bit of a disadvantage because every six months you have to kind of re-spin up an administration on what's important. So I do think the timing's right. Our Italian friends have done a fantastic job, both the CUN and, and ICER. Um, those two organizations as well have really done a lot to help set the stage to have this conversation in San Marino. And I think ultimately what we're looking at is the opportunity to create a, a Geneva-like type um, structure where yeah. you have uh, a, a the world can come together to this tiny little uh, nation uh, and and have a have a you know it's funny ironically enough it's it's it'd be one of the world's smallest nations having one of the biggest you know leading one of the biggest conversations um, and I think I think there's a lot of beauty there yeah. um, you know you don't have the politics of of other countries whether it's the United States or Russia or China or you know larger European countries um, they they seem to stay relatively immune to those type of politics. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where we are, and right now we're trying to socialize the idea, make sure that other countries support this. Um, yeah. You know, so 
No, that's great. Thank you. I think that was leading into kind of my next point is whether you personally are planning on engaging with other governments within some of the other European countries, you know, on a personal level, is that something you're looking to do? Absolutely. I mean, we talk about international engagement being being one of the the five fundamental pillars. Um, when we, when I, you know, I, I it somewhat just told everybody we're shifting into third gear. That's what I meant. It was very clear. We're, it's time to take this conversation internationally and not just have the conversation, but but really start to to look at this thing differently. You know, I, I one of the things I suggest is that um, I think one of the greatest hindrances we've faced politically anyways, uh, and probably from a media perspective, has been this notion of, you know, UFO conferences and UFO this and UFO that. And I'm wondering if maybe maybe the, the way to handle this now is to rather than have a UFO conference, now that I think we're at the point where that part of the conversation is over, we've now proven the reality of these things. We still don't know what they are, where they're from or anything like that. But, but I think we've, we've, that we're past that part of the conversation. I think what we need to do is slowly start changing the conversation vis-a-vis a UFO conference and instead have a foreign affairs conference about UFOs. So rather than have a UFO conference and then part of that's about, you know, politics and global politics, I think maybe the time has come for us to to really frame this topic as as a foreign affairs topic, right? Yeah. It involves all of us collectively. And that way, um, you know, it's no longer just a, a UFO conversation. It's, it's something much bigger, something much more meaningful. It's, hey, look, we, we now know the reality of these things. What does this mean for us as a country? What does this mean for us internationally and as a world? Uh, inter and intra-agency uh, efforts within, within governments um, and within, you know, NGOs, non-governmental organizations and big international, if you will, institutions like the United Nations, like NATO. And I, I think we're, we're slowly beginning to, to see that where the narrative is, has, is going from a once conspiratorial, you know, little green men and, and silly little cartoons like that to now one of, Hey, you know, this is, this really is on the world stage. This is a serious conversation. It does involve foreign politics. It involves foreign relations uh, and diplomacy. And maybe we need to start framing framing the conversation in that way. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, recently we've heard specifically here in the UK that they were somewhat uncooperative with the UAP task force. And obviously now with the National Defense Authorization Act specifying information from allies, do you yeah. think that that might change? I mean, I, it's quite speculative, but you know, you know, I don't want to speak for the UK government, but, but I do. I think I think that they are will come along. I think that the UK government has to be very mindful of of its um, public image, right? Uh, the, the the UK government, um, like the American government, other governments, really tries hard to maintain its credibility with the people. And, and that makes sense from a governmental perspective. Um, so historically, when they said nothing to see here, folks, it's kind of hard to go back on that, right? So yeah. uh, I think what you start seeing is this undertone of cooperation between the United States and the UK, um, maybe not overtly at first, but, but you know, I think there are or existing uh, relationships, bilateral, multilateral relationships that we have with our very good friends in the UK. Um, for example, the five I partnership. Yeah. So historically we've been, we've been very close. We've, we've, we've shared information together. We fought wars together. Um, so I, I, I do think that's, that's going to happen, but you know, in the long run, that's, that's really not up. That's not up for me or the United States even to to decide. That's up for the UK decide UK to decide. And, and this goes for any country who decides they don't want to be part of the conversation. Then don't. But you know, 
you're going to get left behind in the conversation. If, if you're, yeah. you're not in the conversation, then, then you can't be part of, you know, formulating the narrative. And, and then, you know, if, if you're not part of that, then you're victim to it. So, yeah. you know, my only fair word of warning would be, look, you know, don't let the train pass you by, you know, um, you can be selective on which car you want to jump on. Great. But, but I wouldn't let that train leave the station and, and, and leave you behind. Yeah. Do you think it'd be a good time as well for sort of UAP advocates to re-engage with MPs and Lords within the, the British government and the defense oversight committee? I, I and do. Like and that? I think if we can frame it in a, in a, you know, a, a, a again, into a foreign affairs conversation, you know, the problem is we, we, we always say things like, you know, Hey, we, we don't want to know the truth. We know they're from the Pleiades and, you know, Elvis on the mothership and you need to get engaged. Well, you're not going to get a whole lot of support that way. When you start saying, look, other countries, countries are getting involved in this conversation. There is a, a national security issue here and, and border sovereignty. And there's also, by the way, a requirement for us to work with our friends and allies. Let's, let's not forget that, you know, it could be very easily confused uh, a UAP uh, incident with some sort of foreign provocation, right? We, we've seen this already before with the United States and and Russia, where we actually had to have a secret agreement between the two countries. So if someone saw something over the North Pole, we didn't start shooting nukes at each other. We could pick up a phone and be like, you know, hey, Boris, is that you guys? Or they could call up and say, you know, hey, Jack, you know, <laughs> comrade, <laughs> is that you guys? Um, and, and let's not, you know, forget that we have other examples today, right? Where we have countries like India and Pakistan. Imagine these two countries, which, you know, we, we, they're both friends of ours, but they don't necessarily get along with each other. What if we had a same incident like we did in the 1960s where, uh, you know, a, a, a nuclear missile facility was disabled, right, by a UAP. And now one of those countries confuses it as some sort of provocation. You know, yeah. there's a gentleman in, uh, in India named Sabir Hussein who was actually one of the first ones to bring this to the attention of some folks. Uh, he tried to bring it up to, to their, um, I guess you call it a Supreme Court. It works a little bit differently there in India, but he tried to raise, you know, it, and, and good for him for doing so because that's that's a real potential problem. It's not like it's, it's fanciful, right? Because we've already seen that actually happen in the United States and even in Russia. So um, I, I do think it's important we start having that conversation when we talk to our elected officials and our representatives in our respective governments. I, you know, start framing this as a, a foreign policy issue and less as a conspiratorial little green men issue. It may turn out to be that way, but to have the conversation on the international level that we're looking for, we really have to begin to to mature the conversation. We can't be stuck in the same conversation we've had for the last 70 years. No, absolutely. Um, can you talk to any benefits that we might have if NATO were involved as well? Yeah, I mean, forgive me, by the way, I've got something in my left eye here. I went on a little little hike this morning and decided to to uh, do a little sweat sweat to the oldies. And uh, <laughs> I think I got something in my eye, so I apologize. Um, no, 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 no problem. You know, NATO is, is uh, you know... Uh, North Atlantic Treaty Organization, right? It's 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 a it's a it's a it's a fundamentally, uh, I think, um, balancing agent. Uh, this you know, obviously during during the Iron Curtain days, you had the Warsaw Pact and, and NATO. Um, you know, NATO is more of a military organization, um, but it does have some other other functions as well. I think NATO is important from a UAP perspective. I want to make sure, uh, because why? Well, because they're flying around all the time with, with aircraft and sometimes those aircraft are armed. And again, we don't want to confuse UAP with any type of provocation. Mm. 
And they also have a lot of sensors that they can use to help collect additional information for us. So, so I do think NATO is important. But I also think that at the time, and I'll share this with you, I think, I think we need to start taking this conversation outside of military channels and intelligence channels and opening the aperture. So, you know, up until this point, we've been talking in my country to the Senate Armed Services Committee, the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. Um, but I think maybe the time has come to maybe, you know, open this up to the Foreign Affairs Committee, right? Why not? And bring in State Department. Doesn't have to be just Department of Defense and the intelligence community and Department of Energy. Let's bring in the State Department and maybe let's do that internationally as well. Let's let's start making this a geopolitical issue, right? Which is what it really is at the end of the day. Yeah. It, it really is. And and there's parts of this conversation that really don't belong in the national defense arena. I, I don't think it does. It made that very clear. So I think when we when we talk about this conversation, whether it's to NATO or the United Nations or to, to the UK Parliament, you know, if if your listeners are out there and, and they want to get some traction on this, we need to we need to up our game. We need to begin to elevate the conversation to where it belongs, right? And out of the the world of the the silliness and conspiracy and into the into the world of reality, right? And and international politics and foreign policy. Um, that's that would be my my suggestion and NATO does play a part in it, but they don't play the only part in it. Right. No, I think that's, I think that's good. And I think people will be pleased to hear that it isn't just being spoken about within the sort of military realms of, of the countries. So I think that's a really positive way. Uh, the to conversation look. started there and it had to start there. And I know a yeah. lot of people really resented it. It's oh, fear mongering, threat, 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 <laughs> but you know, whatever, you know, do a better job. If you think you can be my guest, we had to start a conversation somewhere and, and that's where we started it. Yeah. But that's not where the conversation ends. And and this is, I've told people a long time ago, we have a roadmap. We're doing this very diligently. You know, this is this is a marathon. Um, you know, if, if you don't have the patience for it, then, then, then pick up a hobby. You know, pick up the piano, go pick up the violin and check back in in five years, you know. Or, you know what, do a better, do a better job yourself. Stop bitching and, and do it, you know. Stop waiting for me to do everything for you and Chris Mellon and other folks, you know. Otherwise, if you like what we're doing, then, you know, simple thank you would do and we'll continue doing what we're doing and i think we are helping with the conversation i think it's it's becoming now the the global conversation that we we set it out to be now i'll tell you too in that same same regard the majority of people on ufo twitter have been very helpful to this they have been doing exactly what they should be doing they've been talking and writing into their elected officials their 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 letters are super super high quality and it's making a difference because they're not being silly they're they're being 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 serious and yeah. they're having a great elevated conversation with their elected officials and they're making calls right and they're not sounding conspiratorial and, 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 and well quite frankly you know uh, unhinged uh, they're coming across as fair-minded and rational and that's working that's exactly what we need to have this conversation and continue to take it to the next level that's amazing good to hear that it's making a difference i mean i've got a Give a shout out to Luis Jimenez and the guys at the uh, Unidentified Celebrity Review. Absolutely. The, the Absolutely. Big Phone Home. You know, these things do work. Um, so, Vinny, we were with Max uh, and uh, Moscovich in, uh, in, in San Marino. And, uh, you know, he got a chance to see kind of a backstage play politically how this is playing out. And I, I don't, I'm certainly not going to speak for Max, but, you know, I, I was glad that he was there because journalists aren't usually offered that inside perspective. Right. And and he had a hell of an inside perspective. Uh, he got <laughs> to see things that that probably publicly, um, you know, would never be mentioned. And he was in the front row seat watching it all unfold. And I think that's that was very helpful. Um, it was helpful for us because it showed that people were taking this serious in the media. 
But I think it also helped maybe Max a little bit because he knew that there were professionals inside other governments that were taking this topic very seriously. There was a lot of representation at this at this uh, at this little little meeting we had um, there in San Marino. Uh, there were there were some pretty senior people from other countries that were participating in this little this little conference that we had with ICER and the CUN. And, uh, you know, it, it, the, the, every time I've gone to one of these over the years, last couple of years, it keeps getting better and better. Um, no longer are people selling mood rings and beads and, and you know, things like that outside. Um, these are, 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 you know, you have astrophysicists, you have aerospace, uh, directors of aerospace organizations there, and they're listening and they're having conversations. Um, no one's trying to sell anybody anything other than, um, you know, have a conversation. And that's, that's meaningful. It's working because we're, we're, we're the, the, the topic of UAP is no longer one about um, personal narratives and agendas and conspiracies. It's, it's now about reality, facts, data, science, right? And, and it's resonating. That's amazing to hear. And that does just show how far we've come. And I think it will continue to, to go in a positive direction. So no, good to hear. Thank you for that. Um, I'd like to switch this round and first of all, start off by congratulating you on the recent announcement that you're bringing out a book. So congratulations on that. Now, thank you. A lot of people saw this headline article within the Hollywood Reporter that the book will reveal shocking details. And now we all know what people on social media like. A lot of are speculating and making claims that it's a, a pay oh, yeah. for disclosure tactic, which right. of course they're going to. Um, you, can you just set the record straight, please? And so we can. Yeah, uh, I mean, first of all, what, what I'll say is that I'm writing the book. Um, yeah. Second of all, is that the, the intended audience is for a lot of people that have never even gone into to UFO Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, the, what I will say, and I won't go into many more detail than this, is that. The purpose of the book is going to be very, very apparent when it comes out. And I think people, people who know me are going to be like, ah, that clever guy. Um, <laughs> people who don't know me are going to probably wind up having to eat some of their words. Um, you know, it's, it's funny to watch social media and people go way out on a limb and start making speculation, wild speculation. Ah, it's a money grab. Oh, it's pay for, pay for play. Okay, well, think that if you want to. But when the book comes out and, and people really go, they read it and go, holy crap, we, we, this is... Now this makes sense. Now we understand why you did the way you did it when you did it. Um, you know, uh, you know. Will they apologize? No. They'll, just, you know, <laughs> they'll go hide in the little deep dark corner, you know, corners yeah. of Twitterverse and maybe change their name or something. Uh, but I'm used to it. You know, for the last three, four years, I've been used to people always accusing me of one thing. Um, they're never happy, no matter what you do for them, no matter how you do it. You know, it's. You've just got people that are sharpshooting you. They're, th they're throwing rocks. I don't know why that is. Um, it's sad. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really hope that those type of people find whatever piece they're they're looking for. Um, you know, but if there's one thing, you know, my, my track record speaks for itself. People should know me now at this point that I'm not a money grab kind of guy. I do things very deliberately, very strategically. And again, I, I think the, the book is going to serve a very specific purpose. And I think people are going to be delighted when it comes out. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's where we are with that. I'm, I'm not going to go into much more detail than that. Sure. Um, but it's, I think it's going to be very, very eye opening. And I think people are going to come back and say, holy cow, wow, that was exactly the way to do it. And by the way, it's my narrative. So, you know, when I sit there and I, and I do an interview on, on a, on a, like a news, major news media, these are like two to three minute sound bites. Yeah. 
and it's not it and by the way I don't control their editing this is my narrative from my perspective without any filter you get to read exactly how i feel about every single thing about this topic moving forward and there is going to be there's going to be some some information in there that i i i do not normally have the liberty or the time to discuss there's going to be a lot in there but again there's going to be a there's a very deliberate reason why i'm chosen to do this and i i think it will be very very clear once the book is out and that's all i'll say no fantastic that's all you need to say thank you so much for that um are you able to give us any like eta on when we can expect to see it uh i can't you know i uh, i'm 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 very busy. It's going to yeah. take me a, some little bit of time. Um, sure, sure. You know, I'm 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 dancing as fast as I can. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm, I'm trying. I've got, for example, like in a couple of days, I got to be back in D.C. and then I've got some more travel, and it's, uh, you know, somewhere in there, I've got to I've got to find some time to really just, you know, I understand but, completely. Do you mind? Is the D.C. thing Inspector General related? Can you can you elaborate on that at all? Um, too early for me to discuss that it is it is related to the topic and i'll leave it at that fabulous no i i respect believe me i try to avoid dc as much as possible i don't go to dc unless i have to go to dc and it's about this topic um that's why i live out in the middle of nowhere wyoming because um i've I've had my fill of dc and no offense to those who live in dc but (laughs) you know that's a that's a young person's game i'm uh i'm I'm just too old i I tell people this is gray not blonde you know i'm I'm an old guy and uh the 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 (laughs) The further I can stay away from Washington, D.C., the better <laughs> for <No>. my sanity. <laughs> fair, fair enough, completely. Now, Lou, something that is brought up regularly with yourself, especially recently, has been this super obvious sensor system that I get bombarded with questions and things about. So I kind of felt like I had to bring it up with you. But are you able to talk about it? Because I've got some ideas or of what we think it is and me this is me and all the colleagues and, and the community if if we can we discuss it can you put it to bed for us because i, I won't i won't I, I won't i won't answer i won't confirm or deny because what i don't want to do is is be preemptive um it is it is ridiculously simple um but it uh, it takes a little bit of time and resources to do it and uh, what I want to do is it doesn't rely solely on like a thing. It's not like a, a you know a sensor that I put down. And it's a little bit more complex than that. But okay. the data, uh, what, what, what I will say is that um, we have every reason to believe that the data already exists. It's already out there. And it's been right under our noses the whole time. Wow. <laughs> that, that kind of... Sp- I'm going to have to go back and dig. By the way, that. at some point we will talk about it once we can get the data. And if it turns out that it doesn't work, we'll tell everybody to look, this, this, this was a dead end, but, but right now it's uh, most of the folks, the scientists are nodding their heads saying, yeah, that actually, that, that could be it. Wow. That's intriguing still, but no, I respect your, your, your position on that. So guys, for everyone watching, I tried, I said I would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, right. Let's move on then. Um, one thing that um, I saw recently and and a lot of other people have have spoken to me about is an, is an interview that Tom DeLong did recently. Now I'm not going to ask for you to speak on behalf of Tom or anything, but he talked about the three videos that came out through TTSA, you know, the three Navy videos that we all, all know so well, but he said there were actually 26 videos. One specifically of a craft 10 feet away from an F-18 scanning the plane for 20 minutes. Now, this sounds familiar. You know, add three minutes onto that, and it's the thing we've been talking about for a while. Now, 
one thing that Tom said, and I quote, we almost got that one out. Is is that something you're aware of? Did we come close to getting that video out in the past? You know, I can't speak for Tom. Um, I, I love the guy. I really do. I, uh, but, uh, you know, um, Tom's Tom. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, I think we know that. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes Tom says things uh, that even I have to look and say, what? Okay. Where'd you get that? <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I, again, I, I don't want to speak for Tom. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm very, if you, if you've probably noticed people like Chris and I are very measured in what we say, I'd rather, yeah. I'd rather under promise and over deliver. That's kind of my MO. Um, I know it drives people crazy and they start losing patience and we want to know now. I get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, but there's nothing worse than, than over promising something. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm very careful. What I have said is what I have said for the record. And it's, it's that type of stuff that will someday, hopefully soon continue to be established and, and reaffirmed everything I've ever said to, to about this topic, uh, has always been truthful and has always come to fruition. And hopefully people by now realize that I've led breadcrumbs for three and a half or four years on this topic. And every single one of those things have, have come to fruition. Um, but I'm also very measured. I, I, I don't like to overpromise because I don't want to disappoint anybody. I don't want any to, to anybody's expectations, any type of false expectations. It's really, really important, especially on this topic, because it is, it is so emotional for so many people. And, and there is an expectation for me to, to always be accurate and always provide the truth. Um, it's an expectation people have and it's an expectation I have of myself. So for that reason, um, a lot of times I just, I tend to be uh, a little bit more subdued um, simply because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do anything and set anybody's expectations. And then all of a sudden I fail to deliver even a little bit on that. Um, so if you look at my, my Twitter page, I always say on there, you know, I will always own my own mistakes and yeah. I will. And, and, I, and I do. Uh, at least the mistakes that I realize I make, right? There's those you can't, you can't, the ones that you don't realize you make then, you know, those are the ones that get you usually. Um, yeah. But that's, um, that's my perspective. I, I really, I, I'm not going to comment on what Tom says or does. Tom is Tom. Sure. Uh, you know, and um, I guess that's that. No, that's great. No worries. Thank you. I mean, I think we all know that Tom's some Tom's statements um, do go out there a little bit. So, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, let's talk about this new AI tool. I know you've mentioned it again, but in, is this the one, is it related to the Scout tool that TTSA were working on, or is this a completely new platform? Well, uh, shit, I'm almost tempted to sh share a screen and, sh and show you a little little dry run. I don't know if uh, oh, I can do that. Probably. Would you be okay with that? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, let me see if I can do this. Stand by. Let me first pull this up. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I'm going to pull this up first before I share the screen because I know you have some very clever people that will absolutely screen <laughs> every single thing I do. Yes. So let me see if I can pull this up. Um, I'm probably going to get myself in trouble for this. But... <laughs> uh, give me a second here. Yeah, no problem. Um Okay, so here's here it is. Here's the case study, and what I'm going to do. Um, let me let me caveat a few things here first. Okay, when I do sure. this, because I, I don't want anybody. Let me see. If I can share the screen now. Give me a second. 
Okay. See, I don't know how I can share this screen without all of a sudden everybody and their mother looking at it. Let me see if I can do it this way. Yeah, I can do it this way. Okay, let's try this. Let me come back to you. Zoom. No, not on Zoom. I'm on StreamYard, right? StreamYard, yeah, yeah. Okay, StreamYard. Let me close out of Zoom. Okay. And then at the bottom of the screen on StreamYard, there's the share button. If you click that, then I can add your screen. Okay, let's try this. Boom. Uh, video share screen. Okay. Share screen. Uh, I would like to record this computer screen. So I'm allowing you to record it. Is that correct? Yeah, that just allows it to go into the live feed. Okay. Uh, share. Is it sharing right now or no? I'm not seeing anything. No. Huh. Let's see here. Entire screen here. I'm trying to. Here we go. Let's try that. Is it working now? No. No. Let's follow us. It says Chrome has lost permission to capture your screen. Okay, follow these steps. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. No, no, don't worry about it. We'll browsers checked. Yes, browser Chrome. Well, shoot, guys. Restart the app. It says. Well, I'll tell you what. Let me walk you through it. So. That's obviously not going to work. See, this is why I don't like to overpromise, right? Because then it never works out. So uh, what I did people, in summary. Sorry, people in the chat saying, can you send it to Vinny? Is this something that you're allowed to share with me? It's a huge file. So it's a video that was taken on a military installation by an individual who, who was a military officer who said they saw a black flying disc. And uh, it was hovering. And uh, so we, the video was poor quality. We apply some AI to it. And all of a sudden, we show what the AI can do. And there's this black hovering disk. And then we apply the AI to it to look at the background, the pixelation, the object itself. And what I will say is that um, things aren't always what they seem. And yeah. uh, it's very the point to this whole exercise was it's very, very important that quality of data is it, it's imperative because um, you need to be able to not only prove something is authentic, but you also need to be able to prove that it is not authentic, right? Or that there's something else going on. Um, and in order to separate the signal from the noise, because ultimately that's the type of data that gets people to really, to really listen. Um, and I have a presentation here that I provided uh, when I was in San Marino, um, I think it was recorded, but that was the pre. I was going to show you part of that presentation now, okay. and I think it it really helps people really grasp where we are. People look at that and they go, "Oh, okay." Because I I talk about in some detail the five pillars of engagement. I talk about what we've been collectively able to achieve in the last three years. Then I talk about what we're doing right now, things that are happening right, right now behind the scenes, and then I talk about where do we go into the future? What what is what does tomorrow look like? And so I have some some ideas, construct of what a federal lab would look like and who's all participating. And then I go into some technology and we talk about the AI and I actually do a dry run. I actually show, hey, look, boom, 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 boom. And by the time we're done, people are kind of like, wow, holy smokes, that's going to be available to all of us. And we're like, well, that's what we're working on. I mean, it ain't cheap, but, you know, that's 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 what we're, we're, we're in the process of building. Um, so is that file? Sorry to interrupt. Is that file something you can send me that I can then share with my with everyone at a later date. Yeah, I mean, if I'm, I'm getting it to Skyfort on WeTransfer because it is such a huge file. 
so Sean and Jake and, and Jess will have it and, and more than happy to share it with you. That'd be fantastic. Um, yeah, I think you'll find it. Very, I mean, most people when they see it, they're, they're at that point they kind of say, "Oh, okay, we we get it. This is yeah, yeah. You, this is this is the the roadmap of of how we got to where we are today." And you're right. This is we. This is probably the way we should probably be leaning to go in the future. Um. Anyways, so no, I'm sorry that's fantastic. So just just because everyone in the in the chats on the edge of their seats, uh, wanting to see. Okay, it, let me try it. one more time here. Yeah, Damn let's it. do it. I'm sorry, guys. Let's let's just try this again. All right, let's let's see if we can get this thing up and running. I'm gonna try one more time. Okay, so I've got this up here. Yep, boom. Uh, let me go to uh, share. Share screen. Yep. Share screen to Mars. Share screen. Entire screen. Yep. And when I hit share. Share. It says Chrome has lost permission to capture your screen. So for whatever reason, Chrome isn't letting me do it. Um, I apologize. No, uh, no. Honestly, it's not your fault. It's I, I've not had this issue before. So unfortunately, I, I and, don't know what to say. And so see here, Vinny, I'm telling people I want to, I want to, you know, uh, under promise over deliver. And here's a perfect example, right? <laughs> you, you try, try to, try to do something, man, and you crash and burn. So uh, my well, no, like you said, you you said you'd send it to me. So for everyone watching, when I get it from Lou, yeah, I'll, we'll get we'll get it out to folks. We'll I'll put a video out on YouTube or something, and you know, so yeah. Great. Um, can we just ask about the, the when the tool is released to the public? Is that is it going to be an app? Is it going to be internet-based software, or what's it, what format? We're, we're be working in? on that now. You know, the, the problem is it, it's it's expensive. Look, AI. First yeah. of all, there's some there's some there's some pros and cons to AI. First of all, AI is great uh, because it never gets tired. It works twenty four seven. It doesn't you know suffer from human fatigue. But there's also some limitations. First of all, not all AI is created equally. To um, AI, if you don't train it right, you have to, AI is only as good as its teacher and, and humans are its teacher. Um, if, if you don't train it right in the beginning, problems and misidentifications will propagate uh, forever. So if I, for example, say on the AI that this is a car, not a cell phone, from that day forward, every time it sees this, it'll call it a car, right? And then false analytics are further applied to it. And it just gets, it's like a cancer, just grows, grows, grows. So uh, we, we're working on that. There's also a massive upfront cost associated with it. It will be free. There'll be a version that's free for everybody to use. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it ain't cheap. Uh, we've got some really, really good people that are working, some of the best AI people, frankly, in, in the world, in my opinion, that are working on this. Um, and they're putting a lot of time and money and effort into it. So uh, there will be there will be hopefully a free version. Uh, there will be a free version. Just hopefully it'll be soon. Uh, we want to work out the bugs. The last thing we want to do is make the mistake that other people do. You provide something that's supposed to be an answer all for everybody, and all of a sudden it's it's not ready for prime time, right? And it's it's going to becoming a miserable failure. Um, I, I don't want to do that. No. Again, uh, back to to under promise over deliver. That's that's what we're trying to do. And by the way, we've been working on this for. For a few years now behind the scenes um i haven't provided an update to it because i didn't think there was any update to provide until we had something yeah that makes sense excellent um i'm going to move on to some questions that were submitted through my uh, some of my social medias um so this one is from an an, an, an anonymous uh person um we 
when it comes to set sizes and shapes of UAP, have you ever come across anything on the micro scale when it comes to a UAP? What a great question. Um, no, uh, but that doesn't mean anything. If you look, if you're not looking for it, then you don't see it necessarily. So I think that's a great question. Um, it's something that we haven't really, we collectively haven't really considered, um, but it's it's certainly possible. Look, we make micro UAVs, right? So we, we, we have technology to do that. So I, I think certainly it's in the realm of, of, of possibility. Frankly, maybe even the realm of likelihood. Um, it's just something we haven't really we haven't really looked at yet. Fabulous, thank you. Um, this one was actually a super chat from our conversation with Gary the other day that I said I I promised that I would ask. So this is for Mr. Carl Vibe. Firstly, this is a three parter. First, will Lou go on my show? Sure. There you go. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> uh, can you explain the heavy references to Greek mythology in the TTSA books and the Masonic symbols in their cartoons? I look again. This is a Tom DeLong question. Uh, Tom Tom has admitted he's that's it's a work of fiction, you know, and inspired by by his perspective. Um, that perspective isn't necessarily shared by others. Um, you know, I'm not in TTS anymore. Sure. Um, neither is Chris Mellon or Steve Justice or Hal. Um, you know, Tom has made it clear he's he's pursuing entertainment. Um, yeah. in this topic and he's entitled to do so. And, you know, entertainment can be very effective tools for, for having a conversation. It's just not my expertise or specialty. And when people say, well, you're doing a TV show and isn't that entertainment? Well, there's a difference between entertainment and infotainment. Unfortunately, sometimes you have to make information a little bit interesting for people to pay attention. Yeah. I'm not an entertainer. I never have been. I never will be. Um, you know, my job is to just try to present the, the truth and the facts in, in a consumable way. That's it. Um, I don't consider myself an entertainer. And so entertainment is not my thing. Sure. The books, uh, Secret Machines, um, you know, that him and, and Lavenda wrote, um, you know, I, 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 I think according to Tom, he's got some theories in there uh, that, that Tom subscribes to. Um, but I, I, I can't. I can't no. provide any comment. It's not, I, I don't know. No, that's fair enough. Um, and the third and final part of that that question or these questions is, has Lou ever been trained in remote viewing? Uh, let's, let's pass on that one for now. Sure. I no don't want to, uh, I don't want to, what I don't want to do is, um, I don't want to distract from the topic at hand. I don't want, I don't want anything in my past or my background. It's already a distraction and people find out certain things about your background and assignments you have. And all of a sudden, Oh, he's a bad guy and he shouldn't do that. And your mom, and why would he ever do a mission like that? You know, well, it was my mission. Sorry. I don't want to tell you, you know, <laughs> you can do what you're told no. when you're, when you're, when you, when you serve your government. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's, you know, and if you don't want to, then don't serve your government, you know, I'm not forcing anybody to do that. No. Um, I, I don't want I don't want those elements, any elements of my background to to be a distraction of the conversation we're having today. And unfortunately, um, it's it, it, it will be any anything in someone's background can can always be, you know, viewed in a either positive or a negative way. And I I don't want to I don't want to distract. Absolutely. No problem. Thank you. Anyway, um, another anonymous question here. Could the 2019 events involving the USS Kidd, USS Russell and the other Navy ships actually be a, have been a training exercise specifically intended to bait UAP? What a great question. <laughs> um, 
I probably, I, I'm not going to answer that question because that's a question that probably the government needs to answer for itself. Sure. No problem. Uh, great, great question. Yeah, I like that one definitely because that was something I was looking into for quite some time. And I think I asked you the bait question on our last interview a couple of months ago, and that, that just really fitted together for me. So I appreciate it. Um, this is a question sure. from Benji, um, and this is another one about baiting. Can you talk to whether these methods of baiting that have been used have actually been successful? I'm going to have to take a play pass on that too. <laughs> By the way, it is amazing the questions now, how they have evolved over the last three years. Before it was, you know, uh, questions like, uh, you know, uh, is Elvis alive, right? Now they're, <laughs> now the questions are like really, really good, very, very insightful. You know, someone's been doing their homework for sure. Uh, yeah. So Thank you for those wonderful questions. Um, I, I, I suspect we will be able to answer them soon. I just, I'm not at liberty to, to even go down that road right now. Um, but, um, you know, those are quite great. Keep asking those questions. No, understood. Um, this one is from Graham. When you joined ATIP, did you ever consider it was simply a make work project and a waste of time, even though you may have had assurances when being invited to join? No, absolutely not. It was never a waste of time. It was it was money well spent. In fact, um, the U.S. taxpayer got got one hell of a deal out of it uh, for the for the twenty two million dollars. We 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 dual use the hell out of it, man. We 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 got shit. Excuse my language. We probably got hundred million dollars worth of work out of that twenty two million bucks. Um, it's a shame that you know other government offices couldn't do the same. But no, we we I think it was money well well spent, and I think it was time and resources well spent. Excellent. Thank you for that. Another anonymous one here. What are your thoughts on the Hestal and Lights phenomenon? Do you think that there's an important connection to what we're seeing now in more recent times? So the what lights, if you could repeat that. The Hestal and Lights. It's a phenomenon that was studied, um, I think it was Norway back in the 1980s. Unfortunately, and I know probably we're going to think I'm, you know, fibbing here but i i don't know i I may know the event it's made the name may be throwing me off i i don't know specifically hestelin events uh we we focus you know a tip on on current military events some some historical stuff but but usually u.s related for the most part um, no not, not other ones you wanted to can you describe for me a little bit of, of, I, of what happened yeah i think it was it was over a number of years it was these sightings that were happening regularly and i think it was relating to a lot of things like ball lightning and things along those lines um sometimes apparently physical craft as well yeah so so ball lightning is something very interesting you know obviously it's a natural phenomenon um there's also we see ball lightning and other type of of uh electromagnetic discharge associated with a great amount of release of energy from tectonic movements usually typically right before or during an earthquake you can you can see the, the whole atmosphere start to light up uh you also have um you know aurora borealis you have something called uh, sprites which is kind of this this shooting of plasma up from the clouds up into the upper atmosphere and then of course um you know you have man-made stuff and this is this is important because what people don't realize over the northern hemisphere um a lot of of ballistic tests as it relates to to ballistic missiles um are are flown over the northern hemisphere and so a lot of times uh, first stage solid rocket booster motors on re-entry will come in. You get this weird spiral effect and it looks almost like a pinwheel. And, uh, because, you know, when you're talking about 
high altitude. Um, you're talking very, very low air pressure, air density, uh, where atmospheric pressure is almost nil. And so the way a gas behaves in a vacuum environment is substantially different than the way a gas might uh, behave down here, you know, on, on, yeah. on, at, 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 at our pressure. And so a lot of times you can, you know, kind of fool the eye. You look at the eye, you look up in, up in the space and you see this object doing all sorts of weird stuff. When in reality, it's it's just you know it could be a hydrazine tank uh, bleeding off some 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 propellant, unused propellant, and um, you know when when you look at that from the ground, it can look it can look pretty amazing. So that's why it's important AI. Going back to our conversation about AI, that we can utilize AI, recognize those signatures, recognize those known patterns of the way things behave, and then filter the the the, the proverbial wheat from the chaff, right? Or isolate the, 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 the signal from, from the rest of the noise. And that's when you have the aha moment. Because the last thing you want to do is say, you know, look, 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 here's a UAP. And it turns out, no, actually, it's not, right? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, Starlink, for example, right? Yeah. So, Excellent. Go. Thank you. Um, well, here we go. Mr. Joshua Ringer, in your experience with the UAP phenomenon, has anything happened or any knowledge been gained that would impact your thoughts on the afterlife? Ooh. Wow. Thank you for asking that question. Um, if anything, it shows that the universe is far more wondrous than we ever give it credit for. Um, I will share my own personal thoughts and let me caveat. They are only my, 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 my opinion. Sure. Um, but I, I'm, I'm fairly convinced death is 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 a process no different than birth uh it's a transition and i say that because i've seen enough of my fair share of death up close and personal uh both in in um in, in terrible circumstances and and in circumstances that you know were, were more natural um you know death is is a transition um in my opinion um, it's no different than walking over the threshold from from somewhere else into this this life and then stepping over the threshold back to something else um you know we've long we've long known and by the way a lot of religions also also subscribe to this that we know that energy cannot be created or destroyed right it just moves on transforms um you know at some point i may share a little bit of of my personal experiences again i, I don't want to distract from the topic of uap because at the end of the day, it's really not relevant what I think. It's not relevant my experiences on this kind of stuff. Uh, what matters is what the facts and the data suggest, right? What the facts say. Um, so I'm, I'm always very keen because the moment you go from, from scientific discussion to spirituality, um, it's kind of a slippery slope. And, and what we've got to do is we've got to make sure we don't blend the two together. We yeah. really, really, really have to be careful. Now, I'm, I'm going to share something with you real quick. A quote um, because I think it's 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 relevant, and I shared this with Christina not too long ago, um, and then I sent it to my Skyfork guys, and they 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 actually were able to put a really neat little chart together. Uh, let me pull this up in a second, sure. Because you know, as I, I am, I I do feel that science is important. I tend to stick to the scientific um, methodology of things. I think it's important we 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 do that, but. And it's a big but um, <laughs> there are there's a whole nother part of human existence 
that um, science can't um, really can't can't explain. And not only can it explain, it really has no no purview either. So let me pull this up here. Okay, we may have to do this the old-fashioned way. Here we go. <laughs> okay, so um, this is about scientism. Okay, scientism is a speculative worldview about the ultimate reality of the universe and its meaning. Once you accept that science is the only source of human knowledge, you have adopted a philosophical position of scientism that cannot be verified or falsified by science itself. And so why is that interesting to me? Well, because in the pursuit of science, scientists often wind up adopting scientism. And I don't think scientism is any different than any other religion out there. And we must be careful of that. We must understand that there are limitations to science. Um, there are limitations to, 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 to current and modern technology. Um, and I also will remind people that everybody's every 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 well substantiated substantiated scientific principle today that we we just accept as being yeah, no kidding started off as somebody's wacky zany hypothesis yeah. at some point in the past without with, without without exception. So so lest we forget that and and remember that in the pursuit of science, let's not get lost in the world of scientism. Um, you know, I, I I do think there's there's much to this universe that that is is not is not necessarily um, can be explained by science. Look, look at the reality of love, right? If I ask you what is love, well, we all agree that there's a thing called love because we all feel it, and yet we'll all explain it a little bit differently. Yeah, you can't touch it, Good you point. can't see it, you can't hear it, you can't smell it, you can't weigh it, you can't measure it, and yet it's something as universal as 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 you and me, and 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 as real as as our planet. Right. Look at look at maternal instinct. Look at this is this is something that is so innately strong in some human beings that it goes contrary to the survival of the individual itself. They will literally kill themselves to to protect and defend uh, the next offspring. Um, so so it is real. You can you know pretend that it's not, but it is. And there's an example of of the reality of something that is spiritual, something that we can't measure through science, and yet is as very real as anything else that we deal with. Um, so anyways, long-winded answer. Uh, I didn't mean to digress That's too much, but you were right. asking me a, a question that I, I want to be, I want to answer fairly. Sure. Uh, but I also don't want to overstate my, if you will, my, uh, my position, uh, overstep my position in, in providing this information. Uh, it's, sure. it's, it's too important of a topic and I don't want my opinion to, to, to detract from from our pursuits of trying to figure out what what these are, no, that was great. That was well explained, and yeah, I appreciate that. So thank you. Um, I'm going to move on to this question from Road Warrior. Can you please ask Lou what he knows about the UFO and Navy situation in Puerto Rico, specifically Lake Cartagena and the Puerto Rico Trench? It ain't just Puerto Rico, and you're right. That's an awfully deep trench, twenty two thousand feet deep. A lot of strange, weird things happen there. Uh, you know, you do have some seismic activity and some subduction zones, but you also have uh, a lot of other stuff going on. Um, 
there has been reports, you know, as part of the, you know, Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> so yeah. there's a reason why people have always talked about the Bermuda Triangle. I mean, weird things do happen. Now, it can possibly be explained by science, but in reality, we don't yet know exactly what's going on there. Um, you know, we've had many accounts of, I just, you know, I'll tell you, I talked to somebody uh, in, in, in the Navy. Um, when was it? Give me a second. I'll tell you exactly when. Um, day before yesterday. My, uh, my, my wife and I are at a restaurant and a gentleman comes up and says, Hey, uh, I, I recognize you. And so we started chatting and I was in the Navy and he said, I was in the Navy. I want to thank you for your service. And, and, you know, these were the ships. He sent me pictures of the ships he was on, uh, really, really neat. And then he goes to tell me about how, when they were in the Bermuda Triangle, um, they would, they would have all these interesting experiences. Now this is a, a U.S. Navy ship. That is a t- submarine tender, right? This is right. The, the the ship that's responsible for stocking up and supplying a a sub- nuclear submarine, and uh, you know they've got a lot of really good equipment on board. And when he says everything goes blank and dead on the boat, that's an indicator that hey, man, I mean, we got backups, we got redundancy, we've got all sorts. And he told me at the one point they had to get a guy out with an old fashioned sextant because every in order to even navigate, every single thing went down on the boat. They could wow. they were completely blind. Um, and that's, that's in modern times, man. That's, that's a, that's a modern ship, you know, 1200 foot ginormous hunk of steel on the water. That's got all sorts of capability on board, uh, just going dead in the water. Um, that's incredible. I could, yeah. I can, I mean, I got, I've got, I don't want to, he didn't give me permission to share with everybody, but, uh, you know, I can, I can, well, again, your people are too savvy. I throw up, I throw a picture up real quick, but I know exactly what will happen <laughs> if I do that. So better not, um, you know, but that's, that's modern times. Um, and we also had reports of UAP. We know that. that there were a lot of, and USO. And the question is, are yeah. UAP really part of the USO phenomenon? Well, that, anecdotally, it seems like, yeah, there is, you know, that transmedium travel, that maybe USOs are part of the greater UAP issue. Yeah. Um, certainly seems to be enough information to suggest that. So, um, yeah, it's a, that's a really interesting place, Puerto Rico, uh, for, for more than just one reason. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Um, this next question: Are you still involved in conversations regarding metamaterial testing, or are you having conversations with people that are involved? Absolutely. And things are going well, and I'll leave it at that. Brilliant. Is that something we might hear about in the future? Then I sure hope so. Yeah, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm Good not doing stuff. it to keep it secret, man. <laughs> <laughs> I just got to make sure that you know we do it in the right way, and um, we got to let you know. Uh, you know, science do its thing. Absolutely. Now I'm going to open this up to the people in the live chat. Now, if you want to ask questions, get them in. I can't read them all, I'm afraid, but we'll we'll have a go. Uh, Mr. Christian Thompson, does aliens live in other frequencies here on Earth? Ooh, well, that's been one of the hypotheses that has been presented. Um, we don't know. We know a lot of lot of reality exists in other frequencies. Um, again, your cell phone is a perfect example. There's there's realities all around it that we can't perceive, whether it's Wi-Fi or you know uh, FM and AM and cell signal and, and GPS. Um, it's you know imagine if you had this ability to have uh, uh, you know uh, FM vision, right? Where now all of a sudden you could see in the FM band. What would the world look like, right? Well, that's reality. That's what these things do all the time. Um, so, so we know that, you know, 99.9% of reality lies outside of the very narrow electro optical spectrum that we call visible light. Everything is either too high or too low for us to perceive. And so by definition, um, there are a lot of things that, that, that 
can thrive in these other frequencies. Now, when I say thrive, let me give you an example. A bumblebee will look at flowers through ultraviolet and be able to look at certain flowers in a certain way and know which flowers it wants to go and, and you know, it will take the nectar and it subsequently pollinates. Um, we don't see an ultraviolet, so we have no idea uh, that that whole world existed. And yet these honeybees live their life, you know, perceiving in the ultraviolet spectrum. That's their reality. Um, now, do, can things live in other frequencies? Um, great question. You know, uh, there's there's all sorts of anecdotal information to suggest that it may not even be just frequencies. You know, there was a time in the universe where scientists speculate where where the amount of matter and antimatter in the universe, it could have gone the other way. We live in a world that we call all this matter, but it, it could have been antimatter that that wound up winning out and and life could have evolved exactly like it is now, except for it's the opposite of matter in, in a sense that it's, it's, it's antimatter. Uh, and we would be living in an antimatter world. Maybe the world we live in now is the antimatter world. We just call it the matter world because it's, we don't know what else to call it. But my point being is that there's, there's a lot of possibilities of reality and, and we need to make sure without getting lost in those worlds. Right. And, and, and all of a sudden creating these, <laughs> these pseudo religions about it, um, you know, we have to recognize that there, there are alternatives. There are realities out there that are, are far beyond our comprehension and understanding um, simply because of the fact we are a biological organism that are living in very specific confines within a very specific paradigm. Uh, but not all things in the universe are confined to that. You know, we talk about life existing in a Goldilocks, you know, part of our solar system. Yeah. And we expect other life to exist in that Goldilocks. But we know there's life forms on our own planet right now that if you were to bring it to where you and I are, would, would, it's not a Goldilocks. They die instantly. I, I yeah. remember fishing off the coast of, of well, well, better not say, but I was off of a, a particular place um, not too long ago taking some R&R &R, and we did some fishing. And a buddy of mine threw some line in and the line just kept going down and down and down and down and down. Uh, and all of a sudden he caught something and he starts reeling it up and he catches this little fish. And unfortunately the fish, because it lives so deep in the water, it's paradigm. That was its natural state, very so, cold, very dark. By the time he brought the little fish up, it had embolized. Unfortunately that the fish died. And, uh, but, but the point being is that it was brought into a hostile environment. What we consider our Goldilocks area, era, you know, if you will, environment here, just on this planet is not even Goldilocks for, for a lot of living things. In fact, it's hostile, it's caustic, it'll kill it. Um, that's a case in point. So we have to be careful when we, when we say things that, well, everything, you know, that living things can only live, you know, on a planet that's so far from its sun with these temperatures and these oxygen levels. And it, that's simply not true. That's simply not true. We have to, we have to think beyond that. There are examples of life forms on our very own planet that that have to live in what we would consider inhospitable environments. If you yeah, bring it to our environment, that's inhospitable. And so, no, excellent. Thank you. Um, Witness it as a new AP. Thank you for the super sticker, my friend, Sean. Um, can you tell us about an ATIP study of a Brazil case? Yeah, <laughs> uh, there were a few. I suspect they're talking about Colaris. Um, you know, there, um, I had the, I had the distinct honor to, to, to be at a meeting when General Uchoa was there, uh, for a debriefing. I'm, I gotta be careful not to go too far down here because that report may still be sensitive, but he, uh, he provided us a lot of detail 
uh, to include some of the, the casualties um, that were deaths from some, some of his, his men had as a result of the Kolaris incident uh, and, and, and video and photographs. And uh, it was very, very compelling. And it was well known and it was accepted by all the military brass because they were there for it. And it was over a long period of time. This wasn't like a five, 10 minute incident. And this had occurred over, over days. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it was very compelling. And that was, that was, you know, that was definitely one of the interesting ones that we, we, we looked at in Brazil. You know, who's doing a really good job with this right now is, uh, is James Fox, the producer, James Fox. He and I talk quite a bit and, uh, you know, we, 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 we share things and leads, um, and I don't want to speak for him, but but he's 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 hot on the case of some really interesting stuff, and I'll leave it at that. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm always intrigued by the Claris case. Um, oh, I've lost my questions. Sorry, guys. Here we go. Kashi Chris, Aguadilla, Puerto Rico, 2013. Have you studied and can you provide any insight whether it's valid? Does the ship really break up in the end, or is it possible that it is our perception once it touches the water? No, we studied it, and it was real. It was a DHS helicopter, and uh, I know the military installation that was taken over. I know exactly when it happened. That's very legit. Um, you know, there was there was some uh, concern initially because um, this was at a uh, interesting time, and the United States had some sensitive uh, facilities there, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was real. Um, as for the 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 what you're talking about the breakup, um, there does seem to be portions of it where the object goes underwater uh, without making a splash. Uh, again, transmedium travel, right, and uh, and does so without losing velocity and then coming back out again. Um, and as far as splitting into two, it, it looks like that that looks like a it's not an echo uh, on the image. It looks like it, it actually did. We don't know what it is. I will tell you that there were some folks that did it, you know, fair in all fairness, they had a really compelling argument about some Chinese lanterns uh, that were launched for a wedding uh, nearby. Uh, turns out that the, the winds were not favorable for that. It wasn't, it, it, those probably weren't, the, you know, these, these Chinese lanterns they were referring to. But I, I appreciate the fact that people were looking at it uh, from a fair and objective way. And they were bringing in all the data right? What were the prevailing winds, right? What was, what was going on at that time? Um, I get, I get stuff all the time from people on the inside of the government, you know, kind of freaked out. They're like, Hey, check this out. We just caught this over military installation, you know, and, and, and sometimes they're just, they're just balloons. They're just balloons. They're balloons that, you know, look from a part were released from a party, maybe someone's 31st birthday and the, and the, then the number three gets lost up in the air. And now that three has turned sideways and now looks like some sort of beautiful <laughs> shape. And, People start freaking out, right? Um, you know, so it, I'm, I'm pleased to say that there's a lot of people really looking at this. Um, I will also say, and, I, and please forgive me. I know people are going to be absolutely throwing stones at me, but but uh, you know, I, I applaud people like Mick West. I, I don't necessarily applaud their conclusions all the time because um, you know, I, I, there's a difference between providing an, an analytic uh opinion and 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 being conclusive but i do think it's important that we have people that are trying to find explanations because again that's how we separate the signal from the noise the more we look more we know what a a, a conventional technology looks like the better and easier it makes it makes it later on to isolate the real thing and so that's why I think people like McWest and others are actually doing a wonderful service for us. We may not necessarily like how they do it, but I think I think it's it's important that we 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 allow people to to have that conversation 
Um, it's, it's, you know, you don't want to live in an echo chamber, uh, even if you, you, you don't agree with them. Um, the last thing you want to do is live in an echo chamber. We, we want to have, we want to have all, all voices heard. Absolutely. No, fantastic. Thank you. Um, Braden, Ross Coulthard's docu, Lou states, no visible propulsion system, no obviously signs of lift, no wings, no ailerons, no elevators, cockpits, no rivets. Are photos and vids that detailed or seen in person? Yes. Wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, oh, I, I do remember I've got a question right here on my pad. Um, are you following the current updates with regards to the mysterious Tucson drone case. Sure am. And what do you think at the moment? Because I think the latest we saw that there was some uh, internal emails where they now saying that they saw like quadcopter blades. So, Well, if you see rotors, then the chances are it's a conventional technology. Um, you know, that's, I mean, that's, uh, that's concerning for a whole different re reason, set of reasons. You know, that means there's some sort of adversary that's using conventional technology yeah. and has somehow figured out a way to have these things loiter for a lot longer and maneuver in ways that, that we really have a hard time understanding. Um, you know, we need to make sure that, that that's what was seen. Um, but chances are, if there's rotors associated with it, then there's a high, high degree possibility that it's, it's, it's something very conventional. Um, but we need to see, we need those emails to be, to be, you know, I, I know, I know Tom and others, you know, really, really have a very specific perspective on this. And I respect that perspective. And I think they're right. Some of the time I, I do. Yeah. I think there's a lot of things, um, you know, that, that look, our foreign adversaries are, are developing and trying to leapfrog our technology every day. And they are developing some pretty crazy stuff, uh, just like we are, you know, and sometimes they'll test it and they'll test it to see our response. Um, that's no surprise. We've been doing that for, for 70, 80, hundred years. Right. Uh, so it's, it's, it's okay, uh, for, for us to have this conversation. Um, I don't have an opinion yet. If it turns out that those emails are legit, then chances are it's, it, it's probably a drone. Um, that's why we have to be very careful in the beginning. I know when we see data, we're, we're very tempted to jump and say, so you see, here's another example. Here's a UFO. Well, Again, okay, but I, I caution everybody from 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 doing that. Um, you know, we, we really, really need data, data, data. Um, and the good news is, you know, that same data that's used to, to prove something is just a quadcopter. At the end of the day, it can be the same data that proves it isn't. And all of a sudden, sure. now you've got something really revolutionary on your hands. You've got something that's behaving that nothing does. And we've got it from multiple sensors and we've got it from the eyewitness. And now you're like, okay, that's, <laughs> you know, that doesn't have, you know, rotor wash. That doesn't have a propeller. It doesn't have wings, cockpits, ailerons, elevators, you know, none of that. And that thing is flying and it's flying in a way that we can't. Um, that that's That's when you know you have something special. Yeah, definitely. Because I've been following this case for quite some time as it's evolved. And then recently we saw some flare footage with an A-10 Warthog in it. And it just made me think that the object we see in this Warthog video looks or sounds like it could be similar to what the helicopter pilot saw in the Tucson case. Some people swear that that, that another one you're referring to, that that right. video, it, it, it is a legit video. The question right. is, what does it show? And some people say it's a UAP. Other people say no to drone. Uh, and uh, right now um, there is some, you know, quietly some fierce debate going on to determine um, what it actually was. 
Um, and that's why it's important you hear from the people on the ground, you hear from the radar operators, you hear from, from the folks there that were actually on the scene at the time, uh, possibly from pilots. That's all that's important. Then you find out, you know, you cast a broader net, you start talking to commercial pilots who may have been in the area at the time, right? Yeah. And, and whatnot. And then you start talking to private pilots, maybe someone who's flying a, a Cessna, right, uh, to, from the next town over. So that's that's how you 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 get additional fidelity on on an incident like that. Absolutely, no, thank you, um, Mr. Christopher Sharp. Hi, Chris. Hope you're doing well, my friend. Um, did ATIP or the UAPTF study any UK cases, with exception of Rendlesham Forest? Uh, I'm going to let them answer that. I, the only reason why I say it because I, you know, I um, that is a question that that the UK and the United States need need to answer. I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak behind. I'm not, I don't want to provide an answer that um, puts either country in a situation where they, they have to, they have to respond. That's not, that's not for my, that's not my place to do. No, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, let's do one or two more. Are you okay for time, Luke? Cause I know we've just gone over. Actually, I do have to, my, so I have to <laughs> move my, my, my mother-in-law in her new um, apartment. So I have uh, unfortunately no rest for the weary. Um, so no that's absolutely fine so guys i'll have to leave it at that maybe lou will come let's back do in one another more. go ahead go let's on. do one more i feel terrible you see you're making me feel guilty so let's go ahead. now let's i gotta find a really good one here we go oh no this one here what are lou's thoughts on the uaps um observing us not only military bases but also normal people this based on people's experience and multiple sightings of the same kind of uap hmm. on the uap ufos what are thoughts on you so I guess it's like, uh, is it possible that you, forgive me, I'm not sure I understand the question. Is it, are they conducting surveillance on us? Is that, is that the, the time? Yeah, I think, um, this is your, no, actually, I know your, no, thank you for the question. I think she's alluding to the fact that people, um, civilians are experiencing UAP. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that's, that's, that's clear. I mean, we have military incidents, but we've have historical, you know, obviously reference going back hundreds and hundreds of years of, of UAP UFOs. Um, in fact, for indigenous people, it, it was common. Uh, so uh, I don't think it's anything new. I think it's certainly possible uh, that uh, whatever these are, are, are conducting some sort of surveillance or reconnaissance on us. Um, now the question is for what reason, right? I mean, we, we, we surveil species on our own planet all the time and we fly a helicopter over the Serengeti. We scare the hell out of wildebeest, like run in a stampede. We decide that one we're going to dart. We dart it, all of a sudden the thing wakes up after, you know, saying, what the hell was that? And all of a sudden it runs back to its herd and said, man, you're not going to believe what just happened to me, right? And what happens, the herd looks at me like, man, what are you What are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> are you kidding me, man? Come on. What, 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 what watering hole were you just at? You know, <laughs> no more sun. You've been in the sun too long there, uh, Jim. So, uh, yeah, it's certainly possible. Excellent. That's great. Well, listen, uh, thank you everyone that has been watching. For the people that sent super stickers, thank you so much for the questions, for the continued support. And, you know, hopefully we'll do this again in a couple more months' time. Um, and hopefully, hopefully we'll do it in discuss. person, right? Maybe we get to oh, see each other. Yes. Yes. Uh, no more said about that just yet. <laughs> Got it. thank you everyone um i am going to be back here in a couple of days time with tim mcmillan from the debrief so Ooh, i hope you great join man. me there yeah, you have tim coming on yeah Ooh, man that guy is solid solid yeah i, I so, tell you he's a hell of an investigator man like for real like 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 from an investigator to an investigator he's the one guy you do not 
want on your bad side. That is the kind of guy that will <laughs> f- find every little thing about you, man. He's he's tenacious as hell. Yeah, I'm gonna have to prep for that one because uh, yeah, he's a super knowledgeable guy. So yeah, he is good dude. Really, really good. He's really helped advance the conversation, and he's 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 objective and critical, and he's he's exactly the kind of guy that you want in front of a jury presenting a case. Yeah, I mean, he's fantastic. Excellent. Yes, I hope everyone can join me for that one. But for now, guys, please say thank you to Lou virtually. Um, Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye now.